Church. It's an honor to be able to share with you the message today. And I do want to say thank you for your continued faithfulness in your giving. Uh, You've been so incredible. So you can give online or you can give here at the front after the service is over. You guys have been incredible, and I'm so grateful for that. This past week was uh, an interesting week. Um, On Friday, in this room, we had the funeral service, the homegoing service for Dr. Pruitt, who who has been our lead presbyter uh, for most of our church's life. He's been my pastor, uh, my pastor's pastor for most of his life. And we are so grateful for his life and his legacy. And it was an honor to host that moment and to celebrate his life. And so, uh, you know, as you stand in, in front of a group of people and you give those words and you talk about those things and you, you remember it, you remember that there's, yeah, death is a reality, but there's so much hope in following Jesus. Because what I learned to... What I learned in a new way this week was that so much of what happens in your life doesn't happen in your life time. It happens in your lifeline. And so much of who Dr. Pruitt was is not just about the things that he accomplished, but every person that stood up and talked about him said this. They said, he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And he called that out. Of me, and I think that's so powerful because so much of who he is is represented in the people that are still here in the earth and making a difference all over the world. He's he's planted churches in India, he's planted churches, churches in Tennessee, planted churches in Florida, planted churches all over, and then he's got people who have been a part of his ministry who've planted churches all over the world too. How amazing is that? That your life is not just about your lifetime but your lifeline. Is there anybody who's thankful for a God who thinks from generation to generation? Come on, he's thinking right now about your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and their purpose. Doesn't just have a plan for me, but he's got a plan for my family. Everybody connected to me. I'm so thankful for that. So Hebrews chapter 12, I was, I was, I ran to this verse because someone shared it on Friday and it just, it just kind of hit me. And so I, 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 uh, I had something else I wanted to say this weekend, but I, I ran to this verse, and, and so here we are this morning. I want to talk to you to, about endurance. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. How powerful is that? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your house, to hear your word. You are a good God. We're so thankful, Father, for the opportunity to gather together with other people or to have the technology available to us so we can watch online. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this day. We honor you by giving it our full attention. 
In Jesus' name we pray. And thank you that the Tennessee Vols beat South Carolina. That would have been an awful, awful thing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I got my uncle right here in the front row with his orange, so I have to, I have to give him a shout out. Amen. Go Vols. Or as Chad Beach says, go Vols. I'm like, I'm going to slap you in the face if you say Vols one more time. And anyhow, Hebrews chapter 12 is such a powerful portion of Scripture. It tells us that, man, we have all of these witnesses that are watching us and cheering us on that have gone before us. The Bible even tells us in the previous chapter that they died having not received the promise. Isn't that an amazing thought? And it tells us that we have an even better promise. It tells us that along with them, we actually accomplish the fullness of what God wants to do in the earth. Do you realize that today you are working together with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? Come on, you are working together with Moses and with Noah. You are working together right now with them to accomplish God's will in the earth. Because whatever God has for you, it's not always done in your lifetime, but it happens in your lifeline. I'm so thankful for that. I'm a partner together. Come on, I'm a partner together right now with Elijah and Elisha. I'm, I'm partnering with them. That's, that's, that's your heritage. That's who you are a part of. That's what you're connected to. Wow, that's an awesome thing. We've been using Jeremiah to talk about purpose and to talk about calling because we've been really interested in this, this idea where God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb of your mother, I knew you. We've been talking about the unknown self and how God reveals to us things about us that people don't see and, and we can't even see. And when, he, when he's talking to Jeremiah, he says something very specific to Jeremiah. He says, he says, I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. And so when God comes and he calls Jeremiah, God says, I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah responds and he says, but I'm too young and I can't. I can't speak. I don't have really enough education. I don't have really the background for this. And I'm not trained uh, in, in speaking. God ignores what he says and calls him anyway. Because this is the thing we have to understand about God. Whenever God is trying to call something out of us, that means he's already put it in us. So whenever God comes and he calls and he's asking something of you, he's already put whatever he's asking of you in you. Isn't that good news today? That he's not asking you to, to find something that you haven't, haven't already got within you. He's not asking you even to go and, and, and to get something that you don't already have within you. It's already within you. And so the responsibility then falls on us to develop what is already in us. I've got to develop. If God has put it in me, then I have to develop. See, the ability to talk and, and the ability to speak and the words that Jeremiah would need to say, God would put them in his mouth. He just had to develop that ability to do what God was calling out of him. He said, I ordained you a prophet to the nations, so that means I've already given you the ability to prophesy to the nations. <laughs> you have in you what I'm asking of you. So, develop it. Develop it. See, fulfilling God's plan is not about one big, bright, shining moment. And I think a lot of times in this room when you talk about purpose and you talk about the plan of God, I think a lot of us, because American culture, 
uh, thinks of these like big moments where people were discovered or people became a success. And an overnight success, we think. I, <laughs> now there's people that become millionaires overnight, but I don't think anybody becomes successful overnight. People can win the lottery and their financial position change, but success is something that happens over time. Over years and years of work and challenge and struggle and difficulty. That's how real success comes. So fulfilling God's plan is not about this big moment that you're, you're going to have. It's really truly about daily faithful steps that he's asking you to make. And the reason most people don't fulfill all that God has for them, they're not able to say like the Apostle Paul said, hey, I finished my course, I ran my race, is because most people are not committed to the process. Because that requires endurance. And what I see a real lack of in the body of Christ today is endurance. Endurance. What are you saying, Rob? The fact that the body of Christ had a freak-out meltdown over a virus. The fact that the body of Christ is at war with each other over issues of race is an indicator to me that we don't have the endurance necessary for what is coming. And if we're going to survive what is coming, have you read Revelation? Have you read what is coming? Have you, what is here now pales in comparison to what is to come. And if you want to give up now, You won't be able to stand then. I'm telling you what God is doing and he is giving us an opportunity to do is through these trials, develop endurance. The word endurance is the same word used for perseverance or the word patience. But endurance is something that you are not just born with. It must be developed. So I would challenge you before you develop your gift, develop the endurance necessary for your gift. (laughs) Because endurance will maximize the longevity of your gift. Whatever God has called you to do requires endurance. And you might be gifted to do it. He might have put that in you, but endurance is something that works itself in you over time. You may be able to run fast, But if you don't develop endurance, you won't be able to run for very long. And a lot of y'all were running at a really good pace. And you were running and you, you, you had all of your breath. But then 2020 came and 2020 hit you in the stomach. And now you are out of breath. Your pace is off and your endurance is being challenged. Your ability to endure Frustration, your ability to endure your neighbors, your ability 
to endure the people on Facebook, your ability to endure these two people running for president, your ability to endure. Your ability to endure is being challenged right now. And as it's being challenged, it's actually not going to decrease you. It's actually going to increase you. So that when you face other challenges and 2025 happens or 2026 happens, whenever the next crazy year happens, you won't be shocked. You won't be thrown under. You won't quit. You won't throw in the towel. You won't quit on God. You won't walk away from church. You won't quit on your family. You'll keep the faith because God isn't just asking us to believe him for big things. He's asking us to believe him over a long period of time. (laughs) James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Some of you should be giving God praise for 2020 because 2020 is preparing you for what's in front of you. And if it wouldn't have happened, you wouldn't be ready for 2022. You wouldn't be ready for 20. Come on, somebody. You need to know right now that 2020 is working something in me that 2019 didn't do for me. 2020 is doing something to me that 2019 didn't do to me. If you'll allow it, it will work in you. The perseverance necessary. He says, count it joy because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, endurance. And you have to allow perseverance to finish its work. Some people are like, can 2021 just get here? No, let it finish its work. I'm looking at 2020 right now and I'm like, whatever you got in store for me next, just go ahead and bring it on. Bring it, bring it on. If you're going to do what you've already done, then just do what you're going to do. Bring it. Not waking up like, oh, man, can 2020 get any worse? You know what? It probably can. (laughs) So whatever it is, let it finish its work. 2020, do what you came to do. (laughs) And when you're finished, I'm going to be more, James says, mature and complete. Not lacking anything. 2020 thought it came to steal something from me, but it actually gave me something. I think like more than five people need to clap their hands right now. Because 2020 actually came to steal something from you, but it actually gave something to you. Wow. So God isn't asking us just to to have faith for big stuff. He's asking us to have enduring faith, faith that lasts over a long period of time. Romans 5 says suffering actually produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Here's what you don't want. You don't want a door to open that you don't have the character to sustain. And what 2020 is developing in you, it's character. First, when when character is developed, it's first exposed. It's exposed. It's it's like film. To get out of the the picture, what's in the picture, you have to expose the film. You have to expose it to light. And light is disruptive. Too much of it on the film and it could destroy it. 
Too little, it will stay underdeveloped. So you have to have the right amount of light. Who knows better than God the light necessary to develop what he has put in you? And so when you look at 2020, don't act like 2020 is everything out of control. Look at 2020 as I serve a sovereign God who knows all things and the world is still his in the fullness thereof. He's got me right in the middle of his plan. It's not out of control. It's the right amount of light for what God has for my life. Man. So suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. Why? Why is character so necessary? Because, because promotion without any sort of process can destroy you. If you think about this, the first Adam, second Adam, who is Jesus. God creates a space and a place for Adam and Eve to live. He creates Adam, he makes Eve from Adam's side. He puts them there and he says, hey, be fruitful, multiply, take dominion. Amen. That's their call. Be fruitful, multiply, and take dominion. Can, can, can I, and this isn't even in my notes, but can I, can I simplify the call of God for you just a little bit? The call of God is two parts family, one part work. Fruitful, multiply, that's family. Take dominion, that was work. He's, it's take care of the place I've put you in, that's work. Your calling primarily is not to the nations. It's not to be famous. It's not to have a gigantic business. It's not to have influence. It's, it's to be fruitful, to multiply, and to work. So if you get to the end of your life and all you did was take care of your wife and kids and provide for them, you did what God called you to do. There's so many people looking for calling as this thing where, you know, God's going to, Jesus is going to take me, he's going to elevate me, and he's going to put me over a thousand people, and I'm just going to be this big somebody. No, 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 no. Most people will spend all of their life being fruitful multiplying and taking dominion with their family. And you know what? God's fine with that. Because, because here's the thing about this. If I do this, if I hold this microphone in my hand and I preach to you every Sunday, but I lose my family, what was the point in this? Where's the real value in this? Okay. All right. That's helpful. So promotion without process can really hurt you. In Genesis, so, so God gives them that authority. Here's authority. Take it. We got to remember, when God created Adam, he didn't create a baby. He created a full-grown man. When he created Eve, she was a full-grown woman. Jesus was born into the earth. Adam and Eve were handed authority as full-grown human beings and lost it. Jesus, the Bible says, 
in Luke 2 and 52 that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with men. Jesus grew into his authority and he maintained it. Think about this. You don't want anything handed to you before you're ready for it. You don't want anything. You, no, you don't want authority before you are ready for authority. You want to grow into the thing God has for you. You don't want to be thrown into the thing. Come on, somebody. Jeremiah 12 and 5 says, If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? If you can't, if you can't maintain self-control in front of your computer... How are you going to maintain self-control in front of the nations? So God, (laughs) that's really good, Rob. No, you don't like that. But that's really good because God is teaching you. He's teaching you that I'm not going to put you in a position that you aren't ready for. Not just talent-wise because God can make up for talent. Not just gifting why he can make up for gifting. Not just education why he can make up for it. What I'm talking about is the endurance that produces the character necessary to hold on to the thing that God puts into your life. I want the character for it. I don't want to just be gifted to do this because gifted to do this doesn't matter if I don't have the character for it. Because if I don't have the character for it and I fail, then everything I've done for the past six years falls apart. It's a house of cards. It doesn't mean anything. If I fail, then people I've led to God are are in danger. Because the Bible teaches that when a tree falls, it doesn't just fall on its own. It takes out the trees that are underneath it. And so I have to make sure that, God, I don't want anything. I don't want to be in any space. I don't want to be on any platform. I don't want anything that I don't have the character to sustain. If you love me, God, protect me from me. And save them from me. I've told God, God, if I'm not the guy, drop me dead. Because I, I, would, I would rather die than to fail in a public manner and see everybody who looked at me say, wow, man, he was gifted, but he had no character. I don't, I don't want that. And I don't think you want that. That should give you a peace to say that, God, you know me better than anybody else knows me. And I might think I'm ready, but you know better than me. And when I'm ready, there is nothing the enemy can do to stop it. Can I tell you something? Can you, can you, please, stop? Can you please stop saying people are holding you back? As a child of God, you have to remove that from your vocabulary. You have to remove that line of thinking from your way of thinking. Because if, again, if God is for you, who can be against you? And if God tells a door to open and somebody to let you in, what are they going to do about it? People are holding me back, keeping me down. No, no, no. No, they're not. God needs you, he'll come get you. If God wants a door to open, he can open it up. And when God opens the door, the Bible says nobody can shut it. Nobody's holding you back. 
That's a lie from the enemy. That's a lie from the world. That's a lie from people who want to control you. People want greatness without maximizing smallness. People, people always want more with, without having mastered less. Reaching for the future, neglecting where they are. Trying to build a business but neglecting your family. Trying to be somebody but the people in your own home don't know you. Here's the thing. Scripture teaches promotion comes when you master where you are. The Bible says, if I can find you faithful with few things, I can make you ruler over many things. Family, you cannot choose purpose and needs at the same time. Some people's need for Relationships some people's need for relationship is going to be the thing that keeps them from carrying out their calling. Some people's need for money is going to be the thing that keeps them from carrying out their calling. What? Because your purpose might not always meet your needs. The need to be validated. That's why it's hard to pursue your purpose and identity at the same time. Trying to figure out who you are and trying to lead people at the same time. That need to be noticed, that need to be seen, might not match up with your purpose. And so, so many people miss their purpose because they need to be seen, so they don't know how to serve. The need to be seen can make you miss so much. The need to make money can make you miss so much. I've, I've watched people because of money uproot their family and move across the state, across the country, across the world for money. And you ask them, hey, uh, have you, have you found a church? No, not yet. Have you thought about that? Well, I guess, I guess we'll get to it when we... When the Bible teaches us in Psalm 92, it teaches us that people that are planted in the house of the Lord, they flourish in the courts of God. And when they are old, they will, they will still be flourishing, the Bible says. We get it backwards. We chase, we chase money when we need to stay planted. Yeah. Wow. Amen. 
So following the voice of God, following the plan of God, following the call of God, it's very, it's very specific to you and it's more, again, listen to me, I've said this already in the past couple of weeks, it's more about place than it is what you do. Because you can do the right thing, but if you're in the wrong place, it won't flourish. In one of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Peter jumps out of the boat in Matthew 14 and he starts to walk on water. I've preached Matthew 14 more than any chapter I've preached in the entire Bible. But what I've found out about that and preaching that thing probably a hundred times, it took me, I'm 42 now, I've known this story since I was a kid. It took me a long time to see something that I had never seen before. In Matthew chapter 14, when Peter gets out of the boat, he walks on water, he starts to sink, Jesus rescues him, he gets in the boat. Jesus rebukes Peter. Not the other disciples. How many times have I heard that chapter preached and the warning is directed at the people who stayed in the boat? And Peter is praised. But in the story, Jesus doesn't say anything to the people in the boat. He rebukes Peter. I've wrestled with that for years. And I finally discovered that the reason Jesus rebukes Peter and not the other disciples is because Jesus only told Peter to come out. The disciples were actually smart. They should be commended because they didn't follow a word that God gave someone else. And so many people are following a word God gave somebody else. God didn't say, hey, everybody jump out of the boat. Peter was the one that asked. He said, is it you, Lord? Jesus said, it is me. Come on. I'm telling you, if the other disciples got out, they would have sunk. It wasn't a word God gave them. He told Peter to come. Some of you, it's not about jumping out of the boat. It's about the patience to stay in the boat and wait for God to give you the word. If not, some of y'all will be like Pharaoh. Pharaoh watched Moses walk through as God parted the waters and Moses and God's people walked through on dry ground. And Pharaoh looks back and he says, well, if Moses did it, maybe we can do it too. He tried to follow a word God gave Moses and what happened? He ended up drowning. No wonder some of you are drowning. No wonder you're out of breath. You're following a word God did not give, give you. <laughs> so, he says endurance. Why is endurance required? He says it's a race. It's a race. 
how? I'll finish with this. It's 1023 and I, I should already let you go, but are you good for about five more minutes? Okay, I need to give you this. So, how, how can I... How can I lose a race? I want to give you five things. One per minute. Five things. A false start. How do you lose a race? False start. In Luke chapter 15, there was a young man and he wanted his father's inheritance. Now notice this. It's what was coming to him. It's what he was going to get, but it was the wrong time. His dad gave it to him. It was the wrong time. He got it, and he lost it because he didn't have the character to sustain it. A false start. It was what was coming to him, but he got it in the wrong season. The right thing in the wrong season can hurt you. Sex is not bad, but sex in the wrong season can damage you, can hurt you, can harm you. (laughs) Second way, run in someone else's lane. Right? I had to ask people who ran in races because I never ran in races. I didn't run track. So I'm asking my kids, like, how can you get DQ'd from a race? Well, false start. Well, you can run in someone else's lane. Paul said about his race, he said, he said it was the task I was given. He said, I want to complete the race, the task I was given. I'm not, I'm not trying to run in your lane. I don't want to run in anybody else's lane. God has graced me and you for the lane he made for us. Third thought is comparison of pace or starting position. It's how I can lose a race. I start to look at someone else's pace. I, I, my kids ran track, so I would go to the, to the race, and I would hear parents whose kids ran in the long-distance race. Slow down. Speed up. I'm like, why are you telling them that? Because they're under their pace. They're over their pace. Why, why is that? Well, they've trained in such a way Their endurance is set up in such a way, if they don't run at the right pace, they'll overwork themselves or they'll be too far behind to make up the difference at the end. Or starting position. When I first started watching people run track, I'm out at the track and I'm like, how does that kid get a head start in front of my kid? What's that all about? Mike's like, Robbie, it's not a head start. It's the same position. It's just the way the track is set up it looks like they're starting out ahead, but they're actually starting in the same place. If you're not careful, you'll think people are ahead of you that aren't even ahead of you. Third thought, looking back. Looking back. I'll never forget. I'll never forget watching Judah as a kid. This poor young man, he, his head was too big for his body when he was little. <laughs> Most kids are this way. You see them run and they try to stop, but they can't and their head just keeps going forward. 
And he was so fast that he couldn't, like, his body couldn't handle his legs. Like, he just would run so fast, and he'd trip all the time and fall all the time. I remember watching him in a race, and he got out in front of people, and he looks back, and boom, 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 tumbles and falls. You could be the fastest one in the race, but if you look back, you can trip. What makes people trip up? Success. They stay stuck in their success. Or their failure. They stay stuck in their failure. If you're going to run for God, you can't look back. Come on, is there anybody in the room thankful that you serve a God today who says, don't look back. Whether it's good or bad, don't look back. Look ahead. Last thought is this, if you'll stand with me. My kids have run... Uh, relay races and one of the ways you can lose a relay race is to drop the baton this to me speaks about our ability to work with other people following God's call is never about just you because you cannot do what God has called you to do without working with other people And you have to get comfortable with your position in the relay. Whether you're the the one who starts it, you're the person in the middle, or you're the person running with it at the end. Sometimes the person running with it at the end gets all of the glory and all of the praise and all of the accolades because maybe they are the fastest. But it took three people to get that thing to you. I just want you to know that wherever you are today, took somebody to get you to where you are today. Is there anybody thankful for the people who have hand run? Yeah, I'm I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. So I'm telling you today, following God, following his call, it's a race. But there's some things in a race that we have to understand. There's some things that we have to develop. Endurance is so necessary. And this last idea, this thought of working with others, man, if we have ever needed that, the ability to run a race with other people, man. And the thing about, the thing about a relay team is, is all of those people have different backgrounds. Sometimes they're a different race. Sometimes, sometimes they're not just from a different, they're not just a different color. They're from other nations. I know my kids have ran with people from other nations in the past. Kids adopted from other country. I mean, people from all over the world. I mean, it's about working together. Jesus prayed and he asked the father, he said, father, my, my desire is that they would be one just like you and I are one. And there's nobody I can look at because we can't look at any part of the body and say, you're unnecessary, the Bible says. So there's nobody I can look at and say, hey, I I just, I can't work with you because I need you. If I'm going to do what I'm called to do, if I'm going to turn my head, I'm going to need the muscles in my neck. If I'm going to move my arm, maybe I'm the arm, but I need the brain to communicate with my body to tell me to, every person matters. Every part of the race matters. Every handoff matters. So, Father, we thank you for we thank you for this race, and we thank you, God. Thank you for 2020. 
I might be the first person to say it, but God, by faith, I'm declaring thank you for 2020 because you said the fight is where you'll be. The struggle is where you will be. 2020 is not a year absent of God. It's a year full of the presence and the power of God. If you're in the struggle, then you have definitely been in 2020. And so we thank you for that. Thank you for your desire to work in us what's necessary, the character necessary for us to maintain what you have put in us. We give you glory and honor for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 I love you so much. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go so we can transition to the next group and clean up and stuff like that. But if, if you need prayer or anything like that today, don't leave. We'd love to meet with you. We have a prayer team up front who'd love to meet with you and pray with you. God bless you. Thank you for coming to Calvary. We'll see you soon.